I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, July 30, 2019. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Even though at the end of the day, the market really didn't do much today. The S&P was down 7 or 8 points, not a big deal. The Dow is down 20 points, not a big deal. We're in that holding pattern, quote unquote, and that's the air quotes, waiting on the Fed. However, there are always takeaways. I'm here to tell you there's stuff going on under the hood. We're going to look at all of it. In fact, the first thing we're going to do is reel back the tape to yesterday's video. We're going to look at an intraday chart and we're going to re-talk about something we discussed yesterday. Remember this? We looked at the hourly chart. We looked at several charts. We talked about the fact that this was a bear flag pattern. This could certainly go down to the what's called gap window. We talked about the gap. So what happened today? Price came into the gap. We gapped lower at the open. The market filled the gap and took off to the upside. What happens? What are we supposed to take away from the market, from the charts? What is that chart telling us? When we read the charts, right, the charts are speaking their own language. Our job is to interpret the other language. So I speak two languages. I speak English and I speak chart. In this case, the chart, when we didn't, or the chart or the spider didn't hang around down in the vicinity of the gap. In fact, it just turned around and went in the other direction. That's bullish behavior. It took the gap for what it was it was a destination it went to the destination turned around went back in the other direction in this case in the northern direction when we look down at a 15 minute chart you'll see how quickly the market reversed from down there now you take it one step farther and often i talk about the three pillars of success this is one of the pillars the common sense market analysis videos what's another pillar another pillar is the lazy e-mini gap trading course. What's the third pillar? Inside the numbers. What were inside the numbers members told this morning? In so many words, and without going through the grueling details, basically the range was going to be about ES3000 to ES3015. Just for fun, we'll jump around to the ES chart. It's the same chart as the spiders. The numbers translate. You're looking at essentially a carbon copy. Well, what's the low of the day? 3,001.50. What's the high of the day? 3,018 and a quarter. What was the supposed top end of the range coming into the morning activity? Around 3,015 right here. What's the high right there? Well, let's get the exact high. It happens to be 3,015.50. So there you have it. That was the likely range, and that turned out to be the case. The market likely wasn't going to get very far leading up into Kabuki Theater, which really began today, but culminates tomorrow with the FOMC decision and then the interest rate announcement. Now, as an alternative, if you're not happy with Kabuki Theater, we can just simply call it Fed Follies. 
Whichever pet name you want to slap on the Fed is totally up to you. By the way, we're back on the spider chart, but remember, same exact deal, same bear flag pattern that we looked at on the hourly chart. We also looked at this same 15-minute chart. Here we are, the market gaps down, we fill the gap down here, went a little bit lower, the market reversed, and the rest is history. So not that we discussed the fact the market was going to reverse, but what we do discuss all the time is what happens when the market ricochets away from a gap rather quickly. The market was rejected at the gap. We can have a rejection on the top side, but we can also have a rejection underneath. So a support level can be a rejection. Rejection is just a term. The market was rejected at, or in this case, below the gap. We reversed and the market went higher for the remainder of the day for the most part. Let's wrap up the big picture of the SPY, the ES, the S&P 500, whatever you want to call it. So here's the big picture. The market will likely tread water leading up into the afternoon session, midday around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The Fed will come out with their interest rate announcement. The market will whip around for a while. It will pick a direction and it will go. Doesn't necessarily have to be the direction that it winds up going the following day, but likely after the first, let's just say, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, it's likely have already picked a direction or is headed in a direction, and that's likely the one for the rest of the day. Of late, the majority of the time, we don't necessarily get tremendous moves after the Fed. Why is that? We used to, but why is that kind of calmed down a little bit? One of the reasons is because the market is expecting a certain thing, and the Fed is trying to give the market what it expects. Now, both parties are guilty in this case. The Fed, rightfully so, in this case, telegraphs as much as they can of what they're thinking and what they're planning on doing. That's in the form of transparency. That's fine. That's their philosophy. You can't really disagree with transparency. A market should be transparent. On the flip side of that, the Fed really has no business being involved in the markets. Doesn't have to be the stock market. Doesn't have to be what I'm talking about. Interest rate market, whatever market you want to say, the Fed really doesn't need to be involved in markets. Markets will ultimately take care of themselves. The people at the Fed believe they do good work. I get all that. But in the spirit of free markets, I believe the market will actually take care of itself. That includes the bond market, the interest rate market, the precious metals market, the U.S. dollar, the stock market, any other market you want to cite, it will take care of itself in a free market environment, ultimately. By the way, in the aftermarket session, Apple has reported their earnings. I am watching it. As I make this video, it's up about 217 and a half. So Apple is up about $8, or almost 4%, after the report, after the market closed. If that stays the way it is by the morning opening bell, that should help the market, that should help the NASDAQ, that is just the way it works. Now, before we move on, let's get a couple of things out of the way. Let's say we get a continued melt-up after the Fed. Let's get a refresher or a reminder where the next major area of resistance would be. If the market continues to melt up, and a reminder, we are in an uptrend. Look what happened this morning. We came down... We didn't even touch the 20-period moving average. 
But you want to see something else? The futures contract did. That's interesting. It's of note. There's not a lot we can do with that information. I just watch a lot of stuff. I note a lot of stuff. I have a lot of stuff in my mind. The melt-up could be up to 304 and potentially even beyond, all the way even up to 307. I'm not saying in one gulp. Let's put it this way. When and if. And I don't know that it's necessarily in that order, but let's stress if. If the market begins to break out to new highs, we're looking for 304. Is that the exact number to the penny? No, it's not. It's actually slightly higher. For argument's sake, we'll call it 304. Who's going to split hairs if the market's in melt-up mode? Why am I talking about melt-up mode? Well, when you go over to Camp IWM, you see what's going on. Look where the IWM was at the lows, and look where it finished the day. That, my friends, is a signal. It's a sign of strength. The IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. Look what's happening in the IWM. I have no choice but to look at this as bullish behavior. If it's a rope dope so be it. I'll deal with it at the time. But right now, this is a market that's indicating that the other markets are going to follow suit. You had better than the average 90-day volume. You had over 20 million shares. The end game will be Friday's close, but we may be significantly higher than this by Friday's close. We'll see. We don't know yet, but we're looking at the IWM. We knew about the trend line. We've been discussing this the entire time. Nobody should be looking at the screen with the look of surprise. Don't give me the deer in the headlights look. This was bullish until it's not. Couple of ropadopes down here a few days ago, several days ago, but here we are above that trend line. We've been discussing this ad nauseum. What about the bear case? What about the folks that are saying, look, the VIX was up 8 or 9% today. Isn't that a sign that markets are going to fall? Maybe, but also, if you look at the VIX like we've been looking at the VIX, isn't it just in this channel? It's in a range, back and forth, back and forth. That's a channel. It's at the top end of the channel. If it breaks out above and closes a day for starters above the top end of the channel, we'll talk. Until and unless that occurs, we just went to the top end of the channel. We're employing the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, this is going to go to the top of the channel, and it's going to have some trouble, and it's either going to get rejected, it's going to stay there for a little while, but likely trades away. 20% of the time, it's going to bust through the channel to the upside. If it does, we're getting a sell-off in the stock market. That's the way you have to look at it. Common sense market analysis. We don't want to anticipate it's going to bust out. We don't want to guess it's going to bust out. We don't want to try and front run the move that may or may not happen. We would like to participate in the move once we know it's happening. Those are two different things. One generally doesn't get you very far, and the other is how you run it like a business. How about we take a stop down at the transportation department? Again, another channel, but look what we're doing. We're running to the top of the channel. At least that's where the market is headed. Big reversal today also in the transports. Something else I want to point out in the transports. And by the way, before I forget, we're going to do a little conspiracy theory 2.0 in a couple of minutes. So if you were going to watch cat videos, stick around for a moment. 
from a daily chart perspective, the transports weren't really up that much, but it was interesting the type of activity that took place today in the transports. Look where the low is. Now let's go to a different chart and see it from a different perspective. So we're looking at today's low right down here. This is today's low. Now let's look at it from a different perspective. Here's an hourly chart. There's the vicinity of the low of the breakup candle. We didn't come all the way to the low, but look what happened. Quick reversal in the vicinity of the low, and the transports took off. Why do I bring this up? Because we see this every single day. I discuss it every single day. Why is that? So that you can recognize it for yourself every single day. This happens on so many charts. All you have to do is look, and it's also part and parcel to the same information that's taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. It's stuff like this that all you have to do is be taught what to and train yourself what to look for on the charts. Once you know what you're looking for on the charts, you'll never look at the charts the same again. What's the exchange-traded fund that is the mirror image or tracking fund to the transports? The IYT. Here we are. Now check this out. Where's the low of the IYT? 190.94. The low today was 191.23. Very, very close to what we like to call risk. An hourly close below the low of the breakup candle. And what is likely the case of what's going on? Well, likely the IYT would be running down to fill the gap. Now, we don't know whether it would just fill the gap and then take off to the upside. But if we're in a day trade, for example, or we're in a trade that may turn out to be more than a day trade, potentially it starts as a day trade, works into a swing trade, we may not necessarily want to follow it down to fill the gap. Maybe we do. Maybe we buy a second half of a position down at the gap. Maybe we let it go and we rebuy at the gap. There's a lot of different things you can do. Traders treat the market how they're comfortable trading in the market. I'm just giving you my thoughts as I look at the chart, doing the data dump, letting you in my head. It's a dangerous place to be. Anything to discuss in the queues? Not really. They're going to be up tomorrow if Apple stays up with all likelihood. The official close was 193.78 as I make this video, which is in the aftermarket session, 194.37 by 38. So they're already up based on the Apple earnings release. Other than that, it's the same routine as the spiders. If we're going to have a melt-up, the queues will participate and be melted up along with everything else. How about Bitcoin? Remember we discussed 9150 in Bitcoin? Just thought I would bring it up as I was running through some charts today. I spotted that. Wasn't necessarily looking to do anything. Just noticed it, figured I would waste about 15 seconds of your time. XLF came in almost, and almost is the operative word, to the 20-period moving average. Reversed and finished near the highs of the day. If there's nothing wrong with the financials, don't look for trouble elsewhere. We'll leave it at that. I don't want to do the broken record thing. What I want to do is get to the extra conspiracy theory. Before we do that, the SMH... The SMH is still hanging around near that gap. That's interesting. It's of note. It has to be a puzzle piece. Therefore, it's on the table. Doesn't mean it's negative. Doesn't mean anything. Maybe it wants to go fill another gap. It will follow the rest of the markets. If we're in a melt-up, it will be melted up along with everything else. 
If we're selling off after the Fed, for example, it will obviously come back down to Earth. Earth also being the 20-period moving average. All right, let's get out of the lane and let's talk a little bit Conspiracy Theory 2.0. Before we wrapped it around Deutsche Bank, that's fine. That still may all happen that way. We have no idea. It was Conspiracy Theory 1.0, but I have another one. So first, let's start out with the bond market. And the ultimate question that everybody is asking, everybody on TV, every trader I know, everybody under the sun is asking, why is the Fed cutting interest rates while the stock market is basically at an all-time high? And then we begin to uncover other points in time where there's precedent for that, I get all that, but in reality, there's got to be some reason. There's got to be a fundamental reason why the Fed finds a need to add liquidity to the system. That's really what's going on. Forget the Kabuki Theater stuff. The Fed believes they have to do something. Why? Because there's a problem they need to solve. They're not in the business of creating problems. While they normally do, that's not really the business that they believe they're in. They're not here to create a problem. They're here to solve problems if a problem exists. If they see a problem, they take action. What is the problem they see? Again, we really don't know. We're not in the room, but let's go through a couple of things. A, what do we see on the interest rate chart? Is the interest rate chart bullish or bearish? Right now, the interest rate chart looks like it made a low, looks like it's working its way higher. A series of breakup candles. We're staying inside the breakup candle over here. We've stayed inside the breakup candle all the way down here. There's some room here. If it's positive, meaning upside for rates, that means downside for the price of bonds. The price of bonds can be represented in part by the TLT. What does the TLT look like? Well, the daily chart of the TLT looks like one of these that we discuss all the time. It looks like a bear flag pattern. Okay, fair enough. That confirms what we see on the opposite chart, which it should, the interest rate chart. Okay, that's interesting. What does that all mean? Well, first, before we make up a reason of what it means, we have to note that The interest rate chart looks like we're going to have higher interest rates and the Fed is cutting rates. Now, there's a difference between the Fed funds rate, which they do cut. That's a very short term rate and longer term rates like the 10 year, 20 year, 30 year. We're looking at longer term rates. So there is a difference. But in theory, rates should be following what the Fed is doing. The Fed is cutting rates, whether they cut 25 basis points or 50 basis points. What's a basis point? It's nonsense. It's a fancy term in the financial industry. It's a quarter point or a half a point. What's a point? A percentage point. 25 basis points is a quarter of a percent. 50 basis points is half a percent. Most of you know that. Some of you are happy that I just said that. It's okay not to know stuff. That's how we learn. So what does this all mean? What am I getting at? I'm getting at something entirely away from the chart we've just been looking at. Let's get to Conspiracy Theory 2.0. Conspiracy Theory 2.0, at least for this video, for this purpose here, we're going to take three examples and three examples only of charts that I think where the companies are in trouble. Now for this, we're going to have a long-term discussion, so we're looking at long-term charts. Bed, Bath & Beyond. 
We buy stuff there all the time. I don't know exactly where they have stores, but I looked it up. They have 1,550 stores. Eventually, the stock is going to zero. Could I be wrong? 80-20 rule. I've seen this a lot in the past. 80% of the time, I'm going to be right. What does this have to do with the Fed? Is the Fed going to bail out Bed Bath & Beyond? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. Stay with me. The Michaels companies. Don't know where they have stores. I looked it up. About 1,250. Long-term chart. What does it say? Long-term zero. Can you buy this for a quick trade? A stock like this. Can you buy it for a quick bounce? Where would you buy a stock like this for a quick bounce? If you're patient and you wait, A spike through zero, you can't lose. Office Depot, Office Max, whichever the company is today, 1,370 stores. I don't even know if that includes Office Max as well. I have no idea. It said 1,378. We'll go with the number. Those three companies together equate to over 4,000 stores. Freestanding, strip malls, wherever they are, it's real estate. It's a problem. It's companies that I found in like five minutes that I just knew of off the top of my head, companies that were in trouble. Here's the main point. I found three thinking about stuff while just driving around. I see a store. I know the store. I know the stock because I look at charts. It's just what I do. I know these companies are in trouble. It's just the tip of the iceberg. But here it is. It's not the stock that's the issue. It's the bonds that are the issue. That's where the Fed comes in. That's where liquidity comes in. That's where interest rates come in. How many companies are in trouble? Where are they? What sectors are they in? How many bonds are coming due over the next 12, 24, 36 months? What's it going to do to the banking system? What's it going to do to the bond market? What's it going to do to the commercial real estate space? What's it going to do a derivative and two and three away from whatever companies are in trouble? And from there, you can kind of fill in the blanks yourself. With that, I'm going to pull the ripcord tonight. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.